and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. How are you? How has your uh, week been with the with the coronavirus still? In- I mean, Corona here in New York has been continuing to go down. There's less cases. There's less deaths, which is great. However, the peeps are are out and about and Cuomo threatened to keep us in phase one for longer now because all of these bars and restaurants were sort of like Mm. illegally open this past weekend where I think they were technically still doing to go orders but they were like doing them at tables out front of their (laughs) restaurants you know with waiters so it was and then people were just standing around (laughs) drinking in the streets so Yes, things are going okay, but I'm like, everybody, get your act together. We are so close. (laughs) Don't ruin this for me. Right, exactly. I mean, it's just wild. We're in June. Life could have been so different without this, but I was looking at the movie release schedule again. Oh, yes. um, We missed it last week would have been my personal favorite, Wonder Woman, which was due to release June 5th has now been pushed back to, was originally pushed back to August and has now been pushed even further back to October. Still eligible for that Oscar, though. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'm just glad it's like releasing this year instead of them being like, no, we're doing next summer. Mm -hmm. So I'm still holding out hopes that I get to watch that. Honestly, um, Rob made me watch Batman v Superman on HBO Max. Oh, I watched that. Yeah. We well, that was part of his reasoning. He's like, people I care about liked this, so maybe I'll give it another chance. He said and, that I was a person he cares about. Well, I was just oh my god, that's so sweet. Rob, back at you. Wow, I'm starting to chip. This is like an episode <laughs> yeah. of Queer Eye. I know, Woo. but anyways, it was bad. It was truly awful. We didn't get to watch the director's cut, so maybe that's the reason. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> that That's I the whole point you, was that the director... save that. Here's the thing. The non-director's cut we is a proven entity <laughs> as being bad. You know, like, everybody said it was bad. It got yeah. terrible reviews. It did not make that much, as much money yeah. as I thought it was going to be. The director's cut at least is an unknown entity to you. Like, it, <laughs> it could be terrible, but it also has the potential well, to be good. they didn't have it on HBO Max. So what do you want me to do? Okay, we watched the one that was there, and it was bad. And it just made me miss Wonder Woman, who's the only good thing to come out of the DC Universe. And this new movie looks so good, so I'm still really excited for it. But maybe more in your lane, we could have been covering Candyman, which Uh, was due to come out June 15th. Or no, June 12th. So we would have, yeah, we would have. That looked so frigging good. (laughs) I I mean, it looks good. I can't wait to see it whenever it comes out. But yes, I mean, there was a whole... Between Candyman and Antebellum and mm. there was another like good looking delicious There's horror movie the, that was supposed to come out. There is the, uh, I don't know if this is the one you were talking about, but the um, spinoff of the Saw. It was series. not that, but no. you know. <laughs> People were excited about that. I don't know why. it's not. There really were three horror movies though that I was like, oh, all of these look great. And then yeah. now I've gotten none of them, so... <laughs> Well, it's due to come out September 25th, so right before Halloween, which probably makes more sense. And the and there's a new Halloween that's supposed to come out then too. 
the oh. Halloween uh, Jamie Lee Curtis sequel. So, and they're all eligible for the Oscar. <laughs> yes, yes, and yeah. and things that come out in February. You know that there's yeah. definitely a couple movies that are currently like on the schedule for February because the studio was like, "Oh, we're dumping these," and now they're like, "We got the best date." Yeah. Do you think? Um, that truly awful Matthew McConaughey movie you made me watch and you liked would have had an Oscar shot if it existed in this universe this year. What was even the name? Serenity? Oh, yeah. Serenity. Serenity. So Anne Hathaway. Um, you know, uh, that's the question. <laughs> is like... Is it like... They thought is, they were onto something. Because the... I mean, we're now getting back into the Oscar <laughs> schedule thing that we talked about in the last episode. But part of the thing... Th- Part of the reasoning with why these movies do well is like they come out in November and December and then you have all of these people who are on break watching all of these movies and talking with their family and whatnot (laughs) going into voting, which starts the early part of January. So that is different than everybody watching these movies that come out in February when they're like alone and don't have a holiday weekend for another five months. So... (laughs) We'll see. Um, but I am excited about this week. I We're talking about Five Bloods, which is the new Spike Lee movie. It's available on Netflix. It was. It did have its, like, planned for the Oscars. So, I mean, for a theatrical release. So, it is eligible yes. for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved this movie. How did you feel about it? Oh, yeah. I was obsessed with it as well. As I was the the more I was watching it, the more I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so good." And I, I actually watched it with my uh with my like film club people oh, and I know it was great. So I so I was getting their takes along the way and I feel like they were they liked it but were less like thrilled by it than I was. Oh, and so we were FaceTiming afterwards and I was like, "No, you guys, this was great and it was yes. perfect and there was nothing wrong with it and I'm going to recommend <laughs> it to everyone." And so yes, yeah. I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's like wild to watch a like well-done movie after yes. like months of disasters. Yes. Like even just thinking about how much we loved bad education and in that episode we were like well this should have had a theatrical run but then you watch this (laughs) and maybe this is just me but it was just like I mean you just have a different level of you know Mm -hmm. direction of script of acting of cinematography of music and it's just like that's like you know to quote uh oh man what's his face who hates marvel movies and who does long who did that? Oh, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, Martin Scorsese. This is real cinema. You know I'm what gl- I mean? I'm glad that your that your like identifier for him was hates Marvel yeah. movies. It was the easiest way to get to him, you know. I was I was like, me? Are you talking about me? Are you quoting me on my own podcast? Yeah. No, but I mean, it was just from the first like few seconds, I was like, oh wow, I've missed like good movies. <laughs> I know. And as much as I loved watching it, you know, at home, I was sitting yeah. there thinking like, uh, just imagine being in the theater yeah. and this opens up and it's like the full screen. I just remember yeah. watching, you know, Black Klansman, which was his last movie that came out and was nominated for a bunch of Oscars and mm-hmm. seeing that in theaters. And then 
watching this at home was sort of like, uh, okay. Yeah. But yes, still And there's still like amazing. a bunch of aspect ratio changes that mm-hmm. are less powerful <laughs> on your little yes. TV or I guess laptop in your case. I don't, yeah. I don't judge, but <laughs> that's not. Yes. On my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we each have our own <laughs> resources in the world. Yeah. Um, but no, so this is the story of four African-American vets who returned to Vietnam in the present day to find the remains of their fallen squad leader, as well as a fortune of gold that they'd hidden away. I mean, first of all, just like such a clever entry into a story that's been done before and people could be like, oh, Vietnam War, like whatever. We're so over this old war, like so long ago. But it immediately like puts it in the present because you realize like, oh, these are human beings who are literally alive at the same time as us. And they're like very, you know, vibrant characters and people who are currently living and breathing and still struggling with the effects of this war that we can easily write off. And uh, it has this very successful black cast that I think unfortunately white audiences aren't as aware of but you have Delroy Lindo who plays one of the um, vets Paul who's sort of like this Trump supporter with a serious case of PTSD and then on the other four you have Clark Peters playing a character named Otis who sort of organized the trip he has past connections to Vietnam with an ex-lover And Norm Lewis plays Eddie, who is like the wealthy one who found success after the war. And then Isaiah Whitlock Jr. plays Melvin, the fourth of the friends. And then you have Chadwick Boseman, who is playing the Storm and Norman, the fallen squad leader that they're there to find his remains. So he's there only in flashbacks, obviously. And then on top of that, you have Jonathan Majors, who is from who I most recently saw in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was Mm -hmm. so good. And he's so good. And he plays Paul's son, who sort of tags along to look after his father and kind of make sure he's doing okay. And it's like just a great cast who all do amazing things. (laughs) Well, and the, the great thing or one of the things that I really liked about this movie is I feel like in general, sometimes you can get things that, you know, like lots of Oscar fair are these like very kind of political movies, Mm -hmm. which are, have really important issues that they're talking about, but then you watch them and you're sort of like, Oh, this is like a little snoozy or it feels a little Mm -hmm. bit like you're having to eat your vegetables almost when you're watching things. A little too heavy handed. Right. But this movie does a really good job of like having all of that importance and and is and is speaking to a lot of really uh you know prescient issues as well as going back into history and looking at a bunch of you know important events and how they were like maybe mishandled and mm-hmm. but it lays all of that over like what is essentially kind of like a B action movie plot mm-hmm. line. Uh, and the script was originally written by uh, two people who Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, who I had never heard of before and who have done mostly like video game scripts, which oh, I honestly didn't even realize was like a thing. So they had <laughs> written the script and then Oliver Stone 
was set to direct it and he somehow or another got you know found another project or whatever and spike lee found this script and was like hey i think this setup would work really well for you know a story that i'm trying to tell so then he sort of like overlaid all of these important messages onto you know a script that sort of could be like a sylvester stallone movie basically (laughs) yeah i know i think that's what a lot of reviewers pointed out is it's like it feels like a Western. It feels like a comedy. It's like a, almost a road trippy movie with these guys looking back and dealing with growing old. And then you also have the platoon side of this Vietnam crew going through their dangerous missions together. And there's just so much happening, but it feels so, I, I don't know, like well organized under Spike Lee's direction that you just are you're just excited to go along the ride and you just go through these ups and downs and different character notes and themes. And it just, it felt so fresh and interesting and also very familiar and kind of cozy. Cause you could easily see this movie being like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type thing (laughs) where it's like, Oh, remember in the war and there was this gold that was there and now we have to go back and find the gold that we had during the war. And now we're like old guys and we're gonna, and there's this evil Frenchman who's going to be chasing us down or we're going to have machine gun fights (laughs) in the jungle. Like you could easily see that movie happening. So the fact that Spike Lee has like the ability to take that and turn it into something that is so much more important than that mm-hmm. is honestly like such a testament to his work. And the fact that it's still funny and still entertaining and it's two and a half hours long, but it like clips on at a good yeah. pace. I feel like, uh, like it's just a testament to his ability as a director. I mean, and he's very talented and has been doing this for a long yeah. time. So it makes sense, but it's also interesting to see someone, you know, like, this far in his career still doing things that are interesting because you know sometimes you get directors and it's like okay we've seen your (laughs) stuff a million times like there's yeah (laughs) yes yes (laughs) poor clinny's yeah Yeah. where it's like okay yes we like now you're at the point where you're like playing the hits and to see somebody sort of i mean not necessarily peaking because he's done loads and loads of good stuff but Mm -hmm. you know to be having sort of like a renaissance moment is Mm -hmm. wonderful yeah, and he just has such a unique style, obviously. Like, I definitely could do better in my Spike Lee education. Um, but, you know, uh, just with my age, I feel like I've caught his more recent stuff more. But even so, it's like just the opening alone of this movie starts with a sort of montage. It has Muhammad Ali's speech about why he opposed the Vietnam War. So you're immediately put into this presence of the Black perspective and this sort of complicated history with the Vietnam War and the black GIs involved, but also the effects of the war as it was happening during the civil rights movement in the U.S. And so there's just a series of images and quotes and and interviews and, uh, you know, some more familiar than others that kind of centered the viewer right in this moment of sort of the tension of, Uh, a black voice dealing with racism in their own country asked to go and serve a country that hasn't quite served them well. And so I think it was just like, one, so wild how timely this felt, um, just with everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality and all this, where we have seen these conversations come up again. And so it was just like, 
obviously just lucky timing. I, I mean, not lucky, but perfect timing by coincidence that this movie came out when it did because he'd obviously already finished it and he thought he was speaking to a different like it's just it's sad that we continue to repeat these same sort of mistakes and we've continued to mistreat and misuse an entire body of our U.S. population and so to have that as the like entry note on this movie you immediately know like yeah this isn't just an action film it's not just like of you know a Vietnam war film like it's it's still about today and I think that really helped guide the viewer into like what Spike Lee wanted to accomplish through this story well and for those of you who like maybe are foggy on your Vietnam war history because <laughs> yeah. I know that I certainly am um so the war was essentially like the it was back during the Cold War and the U.S. was like very concerned about the world becoming mm-hmm. communist. And so North Vietnam was a communist area and they were having a lot of control from the USSR happening. And so the U.S. was like, ah, in order to stop the spread of communism, we are going to fight alongside the South Vietnamese. And it was just this like long, long, arduous war that... Uh, didn't necessarily have anything to do with the U.S. And I think Mm -hmm. the longer that we were in it, the more people were frustrated by it. And then eventually the U.S. left Vietnam and South Vietnam gotten taken over by the North anyway. So it was sort of like, well, what did we accomplish through any of this? Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting at one point in the movie, one of the characters is, you know, sort of like breaking down the percentages and is saying that a much larger percent of Uh, black people were sent to fight in the Vietnam War based on like the general population ratio Mm -hmm. and how, yeah, it's this, it's this group of people who are underserved in the United States in general. And then they're the ones who get shipped off to this war that isn't really even that relevant, especially to them, but even Mm -hmm. to people in general. So I think that, yeah, it does a really good job of sort of setting all that up in the beginning and showing like, Oh my gosh, this is, Like, how unjust is this in so many different ways? The fact that you have, you have sort of these Vietnam flashbacks, um, not really flashbacks, but scenes, I guess, in the middle of the movie that pop up and show what it was like in the war. But then you also have the main story, which takes place in the present day, when we're supposed to believe, you know, we're in this post-racial, happy, (laughs) you know, um, peace with Vietnam, like happy to go visit type world but you still see the scars these men are carrying the emotional burden this war has had on both these vets as well as the Vietnamese people and I I just loved it I mean first you have to give credit to the cast who just have so much energy and um, just bring so much charisma to their characters from the very first introduction where they're kind of meeting up with each other at this Vietnamese hotel reuniting after however many you know years since they've seen each other and they're just like instantly so fun to watch and like you want to get to know them you want you like believe them as friends you you, they have these distinct personalities and you get to watch them kind of go to dinner together talk to each other like realize they're kind of in different spaces and that's sort of where you get this interesting character note where Paul is the is a Trump supporter it's like he's a ultra conservative um Trump supporter but it's never like played for laughs necessarily it's not like it's not like Spike Lee's making fun of him for it it's sort of an interesting character study of how 
how Paul has become who he is through like this fear mongering and, uh, and trauma of a war and a country that sort of, you know, abandoned him. And now he's looking for something to aim his anger and rage at. And he struggles through like xenophobia and the ultra conservative perspective of someone like Trump. And so I'm curious what you thought of that. I mean, I thought it was just such a interesting layer to the story as well. Yeah. I mean, when I saw it, when that moment sort of like happens at the beginning and he, you know, puts on his like make America great again hat, I thought, oh, this is like, this could be a very easy way just to take like pot shots. But Mm -hmm. the fact that, and, and also in the beginning you sort you meet these four friends and it's not initial it's not super well established right away like who is going to be the main character really right. through this story but then as you go you realize that it's Paul and they really yeah never play off the the uh they sort of in a lot of ways they don't even like tackle the the Trump issue head on it's sort of almost like something in the background Mm -hmm. that informs what he's doing now. Uh, So I thought that they handled it in like a really subtle way. And yeah, just showed why a person could choose to go down that path. Yeah. And Paul sort of, yeah, he becomes sort of the main character, at least I feel like where you, um, he's the one who's been the most affected for whatever reason. Like he has all these ghosts he talks about and the PTSD is a huge concern for his son, David, who is like reaching out to these friends to be like, yeah, he hasn't been sleeping. Like he's just been tortured. Like I don't know how to help and reach him. And you have this sequence where, you know, they head off on their road trip and they have their Vietnamese tour guide and they're, you know, having fun moments and they're all happy to be together. And then they stop at this, city or this village and there's an open water market and Paul starts to feel like harassed and it's a triggering moment for him and he reacts very ignorantly and and racist towards these locals and there's just this tension that's sort of like hidden under the hidden under the like glow of you know travel and uh you know the international like Americans coming to Vietnam like it's so trendy right now and you see these Vietnamese people who react in different ways to seeing these vets and you realize like oh yeah these you know this war is still affecting them too like this isn't just a story of these four black men and like how the war affected them but you see how the tour guide Vin feels about the war and how his family's been split between the north and the south and like the aftermath of a of a war that's never really been excused or justified and so you get to see all these little moments with the um locals and the and the Vietnamese people as well where it's sort of like there's just this I don't know like a sort of toxicness that they're they're all struggling with this pain of this war they haven't been able to really escape from well, and one thing, I mean, this is probably just my, like, general stupidity, but at one point, one of the Vietnamese characters is talking about, like, the American War, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, well, they wouldn't call the war the Vietnam War. Right. Like, all of their wars would have involved Vietnam. So it's like, oh, yeah, you just, I mean, even in that moment, you yeah. just realize how everything you know about something is sort of, like, through one lens and not from another perspective. Also, I mean, throughout this point, 
part of the movie, you're getting these flashbacks, which are shot sort of like in a Rambo style. Like the Mm -hmm. style of the flashbacks, one, the aspect ratio is different. And it's definitely shot to look as if it's like a 70s movie instead of a movie that's shot today. Um, But it's also kind of stylized, I think, a bit. But the Mm -hmm. interesting part is that so Chadwick Boseman is the captain who is who died and they're going back to get his body and so he is is obviously like you know playing a 20 year old 30 year old however old that they would have been at the original time but then instead of having younger actors play the younger version of these older men they just have the same actor so it's like Chadwick Mm -hmm. Boseman who's you know 30 and then all of these 60 year olds in these Vietnam War scenes and I thought that that was like a very interesting uh, choice and I was reading about how you know because this is Netflix there was sort of like the question of whether or not they wanted to do like an Irishman type thing and like de-age them <laughs> yeah. or whether or not they wanted to, yeah, just hire completely different cast members and have them, you know, like have the same haircut or whatever, you know, that right. they would use to signify, oh, this is who this person is. But I honestly was really liked that they used the older men. Like, I yeah. don't know why exactly, but I thought it was an interesting choice and I liked it. I wasn't distracted at all. I don't know. Like, at first, I was like, huh. We were like, is this like a dream sequence type thing? Like, because you're first introduced to Paul. But then, yeah, I I really ended up liking it, too. I felt like it... I felt like to have, like, a different cast would have been weirdly distracting. And also, like, a couple reviewers pointed out, it might have, like, put a wall between um, Mm -hmm. the present scenes and the past scenes because you could kind of... Your mind just kind of separates the cast. And so almost like, I don't know. And then on another level, you know, metaphorically, it seemed to be saying like how, how those, those memories, those like moments are still so prevalent. Like they're still very present in these men's mind where there's even a moment where right at the beginning after a fun dinner, they're just relaxing, happy. And then firecrackers go off and they drop to the ground and have this like, you know, triggered Mm -hmm. memory and so i think it like works to sort of fit into this thesis that they're still carrying these scars like it's still so omnipresent to them that it would make sense that that's that's who's in those moments because that's who we have in the present moments as well and then another question i had that i'll be interesting to hear your opinion on is that like the main cast the main four guys they're they're actors who, I mean, who have been around. It's not like they're new by any means, but they're not like A-listers necessarily. Right. Like I recognized a couple of, like one of them had been on Scandal for a while, but you know, <laughs> nice. like it's, yeah. they're, they're not like, it's not like they're, uh, you know, hiring Denzel right. Washington or anything. And some of the people who had been in talks to play those roles were people like Don Cheadle or Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I wondered kind of like, I I liked that they weren't celebrities. I felt yeah. like it it made you more invested in their story. It felt like they were more like real people than, you know, famous people. And also they look like normal people. They're right. not, you know, like movie star famous, which I liked. But do you think that like do you think that he that Spike Lee that that was sort of like an active decision on his? Did you like that as well? Yeah, cuz I mean, I like had read somewhere that originally like Samuel L. Jackson was considered and it's just like Mm -hmm. 
you reach a certain level of stardom and it's really hard to shake that. Like people are always like, wow, um, <laughs> Tom Hanks disappears into his roles. And it's like, no, he doesn't. Like it's always Tom Hanks and you're just impressed that he can do this accent or this impression or whatever. And so, yeah, I think it is, it has to be sort of a conscious decision because Spike Lee is Spike Lee and he could get whoever he wanted in his movies. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he gravitates towards either sort of unknown like unmainstream or newer people so i appreciated it because i think it would have been you know it would have been distracting to watch denzel washington or any like don Cheadle pull this off because it would have you know taken your brain whether subconsciously or not out of the movie because you would have been like oh that's an actor whereas here you're watching these these four dudes who just look like regular dudes like on this weird camping trip where where they can fight one instant and then they're laughing together the next and I I thought it was just such a humanizing choice to kind of have the every man fit in there which it kind of pulls us to the plot of the story which we haven't gone into and I don't want to do like full spoilers but I mean it, it was interesting to me how it wasn't like a feel-good buddy buddy show the whole time like there was a lot of tension in this group of brothers you know they they were always willing to put their hands in the middle and like you know call themselves the bloods but there was still a lot of antagonism and distrust and I thought it was just so I'm just like obsessed with this movie I guess so I just love every choice that was made but I thought it was really interesting like watching these little arguments that would happen and these little conversations that would happen and the the dynamics of the group were just so engaging in whatever they were doing and um there were a lot of cool moments but obviously I mean the tension really starts to to grow when they find the gold and they're trying to decide what to do with it and everyone has different opinions and um they end up sort of collapsing in this field and they're just fighting about it and I felt like I knew exactly what was going to happen but it still was just like very well, shocking. I mean, <laughs> shocking twist. I was after watching it, you know, because I was also obsessed with it, and it has a ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But then I was looking at the audience score, which was sixty-one percent, mm. and I was like, "What are these people thinking? Like, clearly, <laughs> this is amazing." But then I was sort of uh, like, I was able to kind of move along with the different genres of the movie. I think also because they're sort of some of my favorite genres Mm -hmm. but you do start with you know all of these sort of like press clippings and very like heavy historical imagery um you know like some of the shots from those early from that early sequence of the movie are like you know people being massacred and murdered and you're Mm -hmm. seeing about it's like very heavy and then you move into sort of this like buddy road trip movie you know where it's like Mm -hmm. they're coming in and they're singing and you know they got drinks in their hands and making Mm -hmm. jokes and then the third part after they find the gold it sort of turns into you know something that you would expect from like an action movie where you know they're they're being double crossed and they're being Mm -hmm. hunted down other people want the gold they're squabbling amongst each other on how they're going to deal with the gold there's this other plot of the movie where there's this group of, I don't even, like, what exactly are they doing? They're like, are they, they mine removers? Is that yeah, what they do? Yeah. Okay. Like NGO workers who develop, who made some sort of, it's like three people who are just feeling guilty about their white wealth and have now tried to 
channel that into going and clearing out these mines and bombs that were left by the Vietnam War. And so they sort of get also tangled <laughs> up in this uh, yeah. in this search for the gold accidentally where the main group of guys finds the gold and then sort of stumbles upon these people and and then the whole plot kind of devolves into like a heist caper action movie sort of throughout Mm -hmm. the rest of it and i thought that 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 those like sort of three genres of movies really all kind of clicked well together and I was able to get through it without really feeling like it was jarring at all but mm-hmm. I think some of my friends were like oh maybe this was you know like tr- too many different things going right. on at once but I was obsessed but you yeah. know I love like a B action movie plot so whenever yeah. that shows up I'm like yes we're here for it yeah and I think honestly the confusion was sort of meant to be there right like it's like there's just like, what is happening? Like what's going on? Sometimes they were just angry for no reason. And you, and Paul is like struggling to vocalize like what's irritating him. And he's making rash decisions that aren't totally logical. But then you're like, well, he's dealing with these like heavy ghosts that are literally haunting him. And he eventually heads off on his own because he can't like process this. And he feels so mm-hmm. betrayed and cornered by his own rage. And it's sort of And so that's like a journey. And then on top of that, yeah, you just have all these layers of how the war has affected all these different people and having them come together and all have their different motivations, I thought was so interesting, Mm -hmm. which um, uh, similarly, one of the criticisms of the film that I saw was like, oh, the Vietnamese people are portrayed as sort of stereotypes or caricatures, which was an interesting criticism to me because I honestly had the exact opposite uh, reaction to the movie when I saw it like I I'm by no means a, a Vietnam War expert and I obviously haven't studied like Vietnamese caricatures in films but I will say watching this I had nothing but empathy for almost every every Vietnamese character on the screen including the the villains of the show who in this showdown try to take the gold that they think is theirs and arguably is because it was meant for the South Vietnamese people during the war. But then on the other hand, you have these black men who are, are, you know, forced into a war that, that they don't believe in for a country that doesn't believe in them. And when they find the gold, they believe they found reparations and they decide to save it for, for the black people. The, the, the dream of Storm and Norman of Chadwick Boseman's character is, is to use it to free for black liberation. So just this idea of bringing it back to America and using it to help black people when their country hasn't been helping black people. And so right there you have two moral causes for like wanting the gold and justifications for having the gold. And so I never felt like like these were caricatures or sort of racist stereotypes of like, oh, wow, the Vietnamese are the villains again, like running through the jungle, murdering people. I felt like it was so interesting how this movie refused to take a side except to say that the war has hurt so many different people and like and watching how that plays out is sort of the point of the movie. And so I don't know, I thought that kind of worked like with the layers and the confusion and the different tones and energies. It just it just felt like we were in that with them and kind of going through the highs and lows of their own Mm -hmm. revisitation of their trauma. 
I mean, the Vietnamese definitely get a less, a lot less airtime in the movie. Yeah. So I, I mean, I suppose that on that level, there's definitely a big difference. But I mean, th- there's only so much time, you know, in any given movie, and so much focus. And I think that you know, this is clearly focusing on these four mm-hmm. veterans. Um, so there, so you're not going to get as much time for other groups of people. But I did think that it it you know handled it as thoughtfully as it could for the amount of time that it was given Mm -hmm. um just i mean so obviously we've talked a lot about the oscars and Mm -hmm. i feel like especially given everything that we have endured this year (laughs) as far as films that we have been forced to watch this it feels like it's in another level it and you know black Klansman was nominated for best picture it got a bunch of other nominations spike lee won the oscar for screenwriting so it feels like it's coming off of that and given the political climate of the year and the fact that there might not be as many great movies coming out in general that i sort of am now seeing this like as a lock for a lot of these mm-hmm. nominations um were you getting the same feeling while you were watching Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Spike Lee obviously is a very well-respected director, and I could see him now being the best director, best picture, and the score was also beautiful. Um, I think acting categories, a lot of people are hoping that they'll nominate Delroy Lindo as best actor and not corner him into some best supporting role, because he really is like the heart of this movie. And there's this moment where he breaks fourth wall as he's sort of suffering this PTSD mental breakdown and he starts talking to the camera and audience directly. And it's just like, he has, he just carried it so well. Like you just like felt all this pain and rage and frustration and self-loathing. And I just think he really, he really deserves like a win for that. I would, I would be so on board with that. I mean, I feel like they definitely, they would have to run him in lead because if they run him, I mean, he's the best actor in the movie mm-hmm. and and he's the top build actor and gets the most screen time. And I would think there are other good performances in the movie. So if you mm-hmm. put him in supporting, it's like, well, there's nobody else that you would put in lead. So then right. you're putting multiple people in supporting, which just feels stupid. <laughs> so yeah, I think they'd definitely run him in, in lead. I could see Jonathan Major's being nominated for best supporting actor as his son i thought he had some really good scenes i also liked uh the guy who played otis i thought he was good chadwick Mm -hmm. boseman's obviously the most famous person and i sort of kept waiting for him to have a scene that was like a big you know rousing something that you could say oh well this will get nominated for a supporting actor but honestly he didn't really have one so i sort of feel like that there are other people that they would no- want to nominate over him. But also just like the way that it's shot. Yeah. Like you were saying, the score, the practical effects, like um, yeah. <laughs> I could see it getting nominated in a lot of tech categories as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it was just such a stupendously well done movie. And I, I think it's just like, it's a great movie to come out at this time when people are eager to like, hear black voices and like try to understand the black experience and like whether that's (laughs) you know a little late on white people's parts is a different discussion but I think this movie is is a very good entry point for people who you know maybe are a little wary of sitting through just mercy or struggling to 
get through something as painful as like when they see us and and Spike Lee does a good job of making very entertaining movies still very prevalent and interesting and layered and there's so many themes and still relevant (laughs) ideas being discussed in this movie not only just with the make America great again but just the black experience the white experience like uh, America's struggle with racism and so I think this movie has potential to be a very long lasting uh, piece of conversation especially as word of mouth gets more people to watch it and especially as the Black Lives Matter movement motivates people to like watch black directors and black actors and you know so I think this movie has good potential because I don't think people will be quick to forget it or get lost in the shuffle of, you know, bigger stars or uh, louder movies. Yeah, I mean, it's a great landing place for it right now because there's a lot of there's not a lot of competition as far as things that people are going to watch instead. You know, I mean, like, yes, there's other TV shows and stuff, but there's not a lot of other big movies that are out now or coming out. And, you know, Tenet just got bumped back. So (sighs) the theaters won't be opening um, till later. So there is, yeah, I think there's definitely more space for it. And also, I mean, we've talked a lot about the people who are in the Academy, but you know, they're like, older white men in a lot of situations and you could see them sort of relating to the vietnam war plot because a lot of them you know like lived in it or fought through it also they sort of like to you know they don't want to get like too crazy where something like sorry to bother you was like too out of left field i think this i mean this is like a rambo style movie in a lot of ways which is something that i think that they can latch on to and then also you know it's spike lee which is a name that they know Mm. and respect so it's not like somebody new um so i could see yeah i could see this doing apocalypse now so Mm -hmm. yeah the the apocalypse (laughs) now club scene yeah (laughs) yeah if anything, the only threat is that so many movies are going to try and dump in like the later months once movie theaters open. But I think Spike Lee is enough of a household name that he won't be easily like forgotten when it comes time for voting and ballots. Yeah. I mean, it, it is trickier, though, now that they've pushed back the Oscar date. It's an mm-hmm. it's an extra two months in between when voting starts. And also it's an extra two months of movies you're going to be competing against. Mm-hmm. So it is like, uh, you know, more even though there's not very much competition now, it's like it, there's more time for competition later. But I do feel like a lot of years there is a movie that's early on that sort of like steals a spot where even going into the fall, you're like, okay, well, this spot is a lock. You know, if mm-hmm. you think about like Black Panther a couple of years ago, it was sort of like widely just held even before any of the fall movies came out. Like, okay, well, one spot is Black Panther. And then when it went to voting, everybody kind of just like had that in their mind already. And I feel like this could easily be that movie where there's been nothing else so far this year or, you know, looking down the pipeline that will be coming in the next month or so that you think is definitely an Oscar nominee where this could be like, okay, well there's one of the 10 spots and now let's look for the other nine. So fingers crossed. (laughs) I feel like goes without saying, but I would say this is a now. Yes. Yeah. Watch it now and a later. And just, uh, (laughs) I feel like I could rewatch it like today. I just had 
such a good time. Like one, appreciating a well-made movie and two, just the, the story itself and the characters were just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like this is a movie that I texted my parents and was like, I think you guys would also like this movie, <laughs> yeah. which, yeah. you know, is rare sometimes, you know, like I'm not going <laughs> to suggest that they watch, you know, uh, right. Phantom Thread and <laughs> or something like that. So yeah. it's and I tricky. will say it it is like there are some surprisingly gory, like violent yes. moments. But as someone who doesn't like gore and I tend to avoid movies with gore, it feels a lot more earned than something like Quentin Tarantino that feels a little more exploitative in its exploration of violence. And every moment here counts in a lot of ways. And plus a lot of it is just war violence, which for some reason people can handle better for some reason. Um, Maybe just the video game culture or something allows us to just differentiate. But I think it's worth stomaching. I thought the most triggering part was the was the like first 10 minutes of it where it's actual footage. And yeah. then I thought a lot of the rest of the gore was sort of almost like campy in some ways. Um, right. Like the the at some point there's a person who uh, is on like a landmine and gets blown up mm-hmm. and you see sort of like their torso that's like squirting out blood. But it's it's almost it's like so it's almost kind of like cartoony in some ways. So I don't know. See, I didn't, I feel like Quentin Tarantino is way more campy than this. Oh, I mean, I think, I think, I think he is as well, but I think that this, uh, that it wasn't, it wasn't as, it it wasn't like a hacksaw Ridge type violence where the whole thing, you're just like, Oh my gosh, like this is disgusting because of how realistic it looks. There's definitely, you know, like, especially in the flashback sequences, there's some, you know, like the bullet sound goes off and someone goes, oh, and then, you know, topples over and it's not really like, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's like an old Western. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's worth it if if you're a little hesitant to to try your hand at it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have some lightning round questions? <laughs> I was trying to think, but it felt like sort of weird to try and like make do you have any maybe it'll inspire me (laughs) yeah i was i was trying i mean i was trying to think of uh (laughs) like more fun ones um so one of the bad guy in this movie is you know wearing like a uh, crazy white linen suit you know Mm -hmm. because as bad guys do it was giving me indiana jones vibes so i was thinking if you had to wear a white linen suit to just like someplace that you wouldn't wear a suit to normally where would you wear it (laughs) Oh, I mean, I guess I mean, this is so hard because I'm someone who cares so much about, you know, what people think of me that I, I'm struggling to uh, accept a point where I wouldn't care. I don't know. Where would you wear one? I feel like you'd do it any day of the week. I mean, I feel like it would be such a great like amusement park look, you know, just to like show up to Six Flags in a white linen suit and be like, yeah. hello, everyone. <laughs> that would be that would be we epic. could get matching ones, Shelby. Yeah, that'd be fun. Just go and ride the Ferris wheel in our linen suits. Some, it's also some hard new to promos. picture. Like, what is a woman's white linen suit? Like, I feel like it doesn't carry the same sort of gravitas. Just think you know? like um, Blake Lively in whatever that movie was <laughs> where she only wore suits. Well, she looks boss, so I would wear that any day of the week, honestly. 
in right well, there we go. shopping and right in labor. Like I just, <laughs> I would be, I would welcome the chance to wear anything Blake Lively wore in that movie. <laughs> I was going to ask, how would you spend $2 million if you were suddenly given a cut? I mean, honestly, I feel like I am such like a lame goody two shoes that I would probably, you know, like put in an investment portfolio or, you know, like something really dull like that. Um, But if I had to spend it, who's described you as a goody two shoes? I just, I mean, I'm just like a rule follower, (laughs) you know, in a lot of ways, like, yeah. Maybe that has not revealed itself yeah. in our relationship, but uh-huh. I feel like in general, I'm not one to sort of like go with the flow and I'm pretty right. practical okay. and I'm not, I'm also pretty, a pretty frugal person, I yeah. think. So if I had $2 million, like if I won Survivor, I would not be the person who is like, everybody, we're going to Vegas for the yeah. weekend or, you know, yeah. like, oh, I'm buying my neighbor a car. Like, no, yeah. it would all be going into some Roth IRA <laughs> and then I'd probably die before I spent any of it. No, but that's a smart way because then you can live off of the money forever. Like, oh, right? yes. that's the idea mm-hmm. is you can that's the quit goal. your job. And then you'd be able to enjoy life a little bit more for longer than if you just burnt through it. So I agree right. with you. Yeah, I mean, but I would, you know what? I, I think I might go on a cruise though, because oh, I, 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 I want to go on a cruise. <laughs> That's wow, dream big, Matt. Um, you, if you if you work hard enough, I bet one day you'll be able to go on a cruise. I mean, we can only hope. <laughs> wow, what a dream! I was gonna say like a freaking week long stay at a one of those beach bungalows in Bali or Fiji or something, but a cruise would be fun too. They have a all cruise. You get to go to all those day. places. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, would you, would you have gone back for the money? Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, especially now I feel like Vietnam is so trendy. Like literally half of my friends have been to Vietnam. And so I feel like, you know, why not? You roll the dice on if I'd be triggered or not and just try. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, would that's good not? to know about you. <laughs> I mean... You would just leave uh, the $20 million in the in the mudslide it, for someone else it to It felt like a lot of work and also a lot of... Uh, <laughs> like, okay, this is what I think I would do, honestly. I think that I would, like, go over there, but I don't think I would take all of it you know what i mean like i think that i would go and just like get enough because here's you know that it's bad news if you're gonna have to like launder it through some creepy right. french guy like that's a no-go i think you just want enough that you can put it in your suitcase and take get, it back I mean, with you it get caught in customs either way you not if it's it. in a carry-on <laughs> no definitely if it's in a carry-on right because that's where they scan and they check and oh yeah they do go through that so you'd have they? to check the bag and hope could you it, melt it down you know, could you be like could a, you mail you'd it go to yourself over the 50 pound limit so fast if you tried to smuggle in bars of gold in your checked hmm. bag okay well now this that, is no. my solution this is what because you're right it was a lot of effort and i was sort of like you guys are old men like what are you doing road trip it like backpacking through this jungle i would in, I would hire a helicopter 
to drop us there and then pick us up because a lot of trouble happened along the way. They got in fights getting there. They got in fights leaving. And it's like carrying like however many pounds of gold. It's just like too much effort. So I would hire a helicopter pilot to bring us directly to where we know where it's at in the general area and then, you know, flight us out of there. Yeah, but then there's the, that's the helicopter pilot. Who knows who that yeah. is? Like, that could be a bad guy. This is my new plan. Okay, get all the gold, melt it down in Vietnam, and, like, sell it off. You know, like, so, like maybe melt bring it down a... down into what? <laughs> okay, here we go. Bring with you, you know, like, some mm-hmm. kind of... um you know uh like like a mold for like a ring or something oh and gosh. then you're gonna and then you're just gonna rings. make like just make like hundreds of gold rings <laughs> and then you can go around and sell all those in vietnam the, get all the, the money there and then and then you don't have to take anything back to the country i think you, the value though would just decrease if you're mass selling these rings and don't have time to verify that it's like real authentic gold how and many like, gold you know, rings could you wear you, like... once to get through customs <laughs> that's a question maybe you could wear the gold yeah i mean i think you'd have to you'd have to send the money through an account a shady account like that like somehow i don't think there's a workaround what if you just had like a couple gold how much is a gold bar worth that's another question they said it was worth like like one gold thousand dollars or something they said the breakdown in the movie at some point okay (laughs) well this is intriguing yeah so i mean if we were in a scenario where we knew where the gold was located and you decided not to come with me and i went and i got all the gold i would not give you any of it like i'm sorry you didn't put in the work i feel like i feel like i would be if if you and i had been in the army and went back (laughs) to get the thing i would not trust you one bit that is messed up what do you think i'd do I feel like you, I feel like I am the I dumber of the two of us in general. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, so I would true. be the one who definitely like got, was the patsy. But what would I, what motivation would I have? You think I'm that greedy? You want more would... money. No, that's ridiculous. Honestly, I'm offended. That's just hurtful. <laughs> See, look, you're already trying to sucker me no. into your ploys. Okay. I had one other question is. If you okay. could choose one of the four to be your father, who who would you prefer? Uh, I mean, I think that you gotta pick the uh, the the one who is uh, who had the Vietnamese girlfriend. <laughs> really, Otis. I liked the I liked the one who barely did anything. Really, um, the like the one who was always drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also liked him too, but I feel like, and he would have probably been a good dad. Yeah. He seemed nice, but you're right. I mean, he was the godfather, so he clearly had earned that title and people liked him, except, you know, people didn't trust him in the end. So he had sort of a weird, like, man bun thing going on that I didn't realize <laughs> until halfway through the movie. And then it was like, well, oh, that was yeah. a choice. But I don't know if I'd want my dad yeah. with that haircut, but otherwise, yes. Mm. Well, if you were just happening to chill in a bar in Vietnam, what would your surprising job be to woo the attractive? Um, I mean, in the movie, it's it's a man who it, who approaches the woman. But would you be um, setting off old mines or what would your story be? Like, why would I be in Vietnam? Mm. Uh, to, and what would I be using? 
I mean, if you're picking up somebody, I feel like you got to be like, what, a, a tiger keeper or something, you know, something with animals. We learned that from Tiger King. It's a great way to get people in yeah. your weird, creepy three way. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I just want I really do want to know more about the lamb. That's their that's the name of their um, group, I guess. Just like how it works, because they didn't really know how to do anything with the minds. They just had a mind reader. So were they just mapping it? Uh, also, while we're talking about minds and there's no way, right, that that thing where you tie a rope around someone on a mine and just yank them really hard. And the, I was like, mm, I think I think it could work. Like, I think the physics are there. I just think it requires a lot of strength. And technically, I think they were pulling from the wrong angle because they pulled him from his side, whereas he could have gotten a jump. You know what I mean? Like, I think... The science would back it up, but I'm not sure it would have worked in that exact well, moment. And I was also <laughs> like, well, if he's running, like, can they pull you? Fa-? I was just like, I don't know he about this. He wasn't running. He was, he jumped and the blast sent him forward. And so he landed in a run. Mm-hmm. You know? And was like fine. Pulled him. And yeah. was, uns- yeah, mm, yeah, no. I'm, <laughs> we'll I'm going to call one day. Mythbusters. We'll let's get on this. To test this out. <laughs> there we go that's how it's gonna happen we're over there looking for the goal and you're like hey you know what i think now's a good time to test this landmine situation you get me on there and then then you get all the money well if you're Mm -hmm. that gullible that's really on you (laughs) you heard it here first people shelby's out to murder me for cash (laughs) well this has been fun i'm glad that we finally got a good movie to watch Honestly, who knows what's coming out in these next couple weeks. I'm sure we'll be back to our regularly scheduled oh. drivel, but yeah. it was a nice we'll have to week. try to live up this yeah. high for a little while. Yeah, it was a good moment. Well, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media at PSU Wrong. Shoot us an email at PSURong at gmail.com. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll be back next week. Bye, guys. Bye.